In today's Live Treasured podcast, Experiencing Post-Abortion Healing. You amazing women, I'm Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries and the host of the Live Treasured podcast, where we believe that God's word can transform your life one beautiful, bold, brave step of faith at a time. And part of God's healing from his word are those truths that set us free. And there are no greater lies that the enemy loves to use than inside of a woman's life who has walked through experiencing uh, abortion. And today we're going to be talking about how those lies keep a woman's heart captive, but how also she can be set free, that it's not God's will uh, for a woman to carry that heavy burden and weight of shame of how there's a big difference between hearing about God's forgiveness and receiving it. And so for today, uh, especially if you have walked through abortion, which statistics say is about a third of all women inside of congregation, do I have a message of hope and healing and freedom for you. Today's guest is Lee McCannis. She has been involved in post-abortion healing ministry since the mid-90s, encouraging women of all ages to break free from the enemy's grip of shame and fear from their past abortions. And she's especially concerned for women inside of churches who, like herself, let the enemy's accusing voice keep them from the freedom to have a close relationship with God and to serve him with passion. She's been married 40 years to her husband, John, mother of three grown sons. She loves cats, horses, motorcycles, and says she tolerates dogs. And Lee is also a Treasured Tribe member. That is how we met. Um, She's a part of our online community and I've just loved connecting with her uh, over the years. And before I get into today's podcast, um, we are talking about a very sensitive subject. And if you are a Treasured Tribe member, um, Lee wanted me to be sure to mention that she invites you to message her on the Treasured Tribe. And if you want to get to her, together with her one-on-one and talk, she is there to listen to you. So you can check her out on the Treasured Tribe. Again, her name is Lee, L-E-E, and her last name uh, is spelled M-C-C-A-N-L-E-S-S. Well, let's go ahead and dive into our podcast today. Thank you, Eileen. It is a privilege for me to be um uh, asked to share my story on this platform. I just, uh, I'm really appreciative of it. When we step in the light, 
that's where the healing is. And so I appreciate you coming on to, to share your story um, and, 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 you know, step into the light. So, um, so I love, I, I just have to say this before we get into the podcast. I love that you love to ride motorcycles. I just think that is so coolio. That's awesome. Tell me more about that. Um, I think when I turned 60, I kind of went crazy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was always an outdoorsy person. Mm-hmm. And um, when I had my kids, I started to, you know, um, not be such a risk taker. <laughs> right, right. And uh, um, I don't know, my family's, my husband and my sons all ride motorcycles. And I think after they were grown, um, I was tired of riding on the back of the motorcycle, just mm-hmm. staring at the helmet. So um, in lieu of getting a horse, uh, which I would have loved to have done, but um, I we decided to go with a motorcycle. So it's it's not a, a two-wheel motorcycle, just, you know, so nobody panics. It is a, uh, it's called a Can-Am, and it's a three-wheeler, and you can't turn it over. So um, I don't have to worry about having to pick up a, you know, a bike that I drop. <laughs> right, right. I I love that. And Lee, I can completely track with you being a mom of uh, two boys and a husband that loves the outdoors. I mean, you you either you either join the party or you you know you, you just you got to do it if you, if you want to be a part. So I I love that, and I wonder if there's motorcycle riding in my future. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, so tell us, is there anything else that you want our audience to know about you, uh, before we dive into your story? Um, well, um, I was, um, just a little bit of my background, maybe. Um, I grew up on a farm. Like I said, I was, I uh, love the outdoor and, um, it was a, we were in a really small town and went to a small country church and my mm-hmm. family was there involved. Um, this was back in the, I was born in the fifties. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, church was kind of like central to mm-hmm. uh, our lifestyle. Right. And, um, so you just went and, um, so we were very involved, our whole family and mm-hmm. I was saved in that church when I was about 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I was not discipled. Mm-hmm. Um, was there was a lack of discipling, or if I wasn't uh, wasn't interested in it? I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't grow in a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe at that point He put that seed inside of me, mm-hmm. but it lay dormant for many, many, many years, and um, so. Um, Consequently, I did not live a very obedient life. Right, right. And I, I know that many women can relate to that story uh, that you just shared about church being central, going to church being central. Um, but then the discipleship can almost be a, a lost art in inside of church. Um, so I know that many women can relate to that story. I love what you said, though, that God had planted uh, that that seed there. Um, and so, um, when did you become a Christian? Um, so again, I would say, um, you know, God 
made me his mm-hmm. at that. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I mistakenly thought that that meant, I don't know, in a 12-year-old, 13-year-old mind, I thought that I wouldn't sin anymore. Well, you know, that lasted about five seconds. <laughs> right, right. And I I felt dejected. Mm-hmm. Like rejected, I guess is the better word. Mm-hmm. And so I think I lived, that was a lot of the deep-rooted um, reason why I lived the way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Felt like I didn't get it. I would watch mm-hmm. other Christians. I just, I just didn't get it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and that, I, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I would say that it wasn't until after I was married, um, you know, and I just decided, kind of went back to the same pattern. Well, you know, I'm a grown adult. I'm married. You know, I need to start going to church. Mm-hmm. And God had other plans for me. <laughs> he was not going to let me um, slip away from him. Right. But right. As I as I learned, um, the relationship grew, and I was able to fully, eventually fully commit my life to the Lord. I love that. I love that. And I love that you're pointing out um, really the difference between being a child of God and living led as a child of God. Um, And how, though, with that commitment that you made when you were 12 or 13, that the seed was there. And so, uh, so it was only a matter of time before God would reach out to you draw you back in and, and into a relationship with him. And you've been serving him, um, in your walk with the Lord. And one of the ways that you serve him is being involved in a post abortion healing ministry, um, since the mid nineties. Tell us about the ministry that you're involved with. Uh, well, currently I serve as a volunteer client advocate at my local pregnancy resource center. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll hear me just call it a PRC, mm-hmm. but um, they're all over. Um, you know, most major towns um, have pregnancy resource centers, and I lead the post-abortion ministry. There. Um, I use at my center. I use the um, it's information from an international Christian organization called Surrendering the Secret. Hmm. Um, I, I, um, there, there are other uh, programs out there, post-abortion programs, post-abortion Bible studies. Um, I just choose. I chose this one. Actually, I didn't choose it. Our Pregnancy Resource Center had this there, and so I've just been utilizing it. Um, what's kind of neat is when I was serving as a um, a client advocate and post-abortion um, ministry leader in a pregnancy center in Brandon, Florida. Mm-hmm. The the lady who wrote "Surrendering the Secret" was the leader of a post-abortion, uh, sorry, of a pregnancy resource center in Tampa, and so I actually knew her, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came here and was involved in this pregnancy center and they were using this material, I was, I, it, it was, um, I was happy to use it. And it's a, um, surrendering the secret is a six to eight week Bible study mm-hmm. to help who've had an abortion receive forgiveness and healing. Mm-hmm. We hold our, our groups are small. 
and and that allows a little bit of intimacy right and and it's it's always very discreet and confidential in fact when they come into this meeting they have to sign an agreement that they are what's said there will stay there mm-hmm. no no one's name is going to be mentioned outside mm-hmm. of that circle that is highly important mm-hmm. that they know they can come and it is going to be um, confidential right right um, I I love that, and I uh, I know that you're very passionate about this. What led to this um, inspiration that you have to help women heal from uh, the uh, the trauma that can result to a woman after she's had an abortion? Well, you know, when God does a mighty work in your life, mm-hmm. you know. You have to share that. Um, And so I can look at a woman who's had an abortion and say, I did that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, What God did with me. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's from my own abortion that I had. I was 19. Mm -hmm. I was in college and, um, you know, wasn't ready for having a child, I thought. I didn't know God. Like I said, I was, I really didn't know him. And so there wasn't a post-abortion ministry anywhere that I knew about. There was nothing. Right. And so I did what I felt like I had to do. Right. Right. One of the verses really popped out at me, I believe, in my healing later, was um, twice it's mentioned in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it the death yeah. and that's perfectly described mm. my abortion yeah yeah so um so you were 19 when you had your abortion um how long did you did you carry the weight of um the the effects of that when like how long before you really felt god's forgiveness and and freedom well, um, it was kind of two stages um, at one point because I was growing in my relationship with the Lord um, and I felt like he led me through a series of incidences mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, where, you know, it was kind of like, it's, you know, we need to talk about your abortion kind of thing is what it felt like to me. And so I remember one day I was driving home from work and um, I heard a pastor talking about the unforgivable sin, mm-hmm. the unpardonable sin, excuse mm-hmm. me. And I was just struck in my heart because I felt like that that's what I had done. Mm-hmm. And I made a beeline to the pastors, to the church, and I found my pastor and I just blurted, you know, mm-hmm. my, because I was just so hurt and alarmed at the same time. So that was, um, let's see, my abortion was in 1979, and that was probably in 83, 84. Mm-hmm. It was years after right. it. Um, and I was married mm-hmm. when that event happened. Mm-hmm. I met my pastor. And I can say that's probably, so that's the beginning, right. is sharing it with somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the 
you're it's no longer your secret mm-hmm. you're sharing it. and you've got to you know you've got to be careful about who you share that with i knew my i felt comfortable with my pastor and um but it was about i would say since there really wasn't again there wasn't really much out there for post-abortion mm-hmm. um healing or bible studies at the time um it was it was it was fully 12 years after my abortion yeah that I went through yeah. a Bible study that helped me um, understand, reach out to God, ask for his forgiveness, and receive his healing. And receive his healing. Um, and I love how you said that a big part of that is is sharing your story, but sharing it uh, not with everybody uh, because, you know, our stories, our past uh, things um, in our past, it, it really is a precious treasure, a pearl, and you should not share that with everybody. And and I love that, uh, and that you're, the ministry that you're involved in now has that confidentiality uh, with it. You you have mentioned um, that scripture. There's a way that seems right to man, but leads to uh, death. And uh, the shame over my past that I have felt was not through abortion, but it was through other sins. But shame is a very crushing feeling, and it does feel like dying. Uh, it feels like this heavy weight that you're carrying that God's not asking us to carry, but we, we do it anyway. Um, what what else, what died through that experience for you as a woman personally what died um it was a literal life mm-hmm. 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 um i took a life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, that's that's hard right. um and what i think what you know i think one of the things that you know, we're, God made us to be life bearers. He made us in his image and he's a giver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if we're made in his image, then we also deep in our core, very being, we're life givers. Right. We choose to take a life. Um, it just cuts across that very core, our very innermost image right right and it is traumatic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very traumatic mm-hmm. um my case that scripture was literal to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in other cases you know it can be the you know a death of a relationship it could be um i don't, I don't know just you know insert insert your sin <laughs> right insert your sin yeah, yeah. and then um and that God's forgiveness is there, but we have to receive it. Um, and you know, I've heard, I've heard many stories from women who have lived under the crushing weight of shame from abortion, and and they were in church. They were in good churches, biblical teaching churches. So despite their faith. They were still carrying uh, the shame. And I also know of women who 
they talk to me and they want nothing to do with God's word uh, because they've had an abortion. Uh, Why do you think that abortion has this magnitude of trauma and devastating impact on a woman's walk with God? Well, you know, it kind of, you know, goes back to what I um, mentioned before. You know, it, it, it is something that is so deep within us. It is, mm-hmm. it is in direct opposition and contrast mm-hmm. to God's image. Mm-hmm. And the has in us. So it does. There is a trauma. Right. That result. Right. Um, and, and what's the other thing that's so devastating about it is if we are Christians, if we consider ourselves Christians, if we hide that and, you know, stuff it down, um, we really allow Satan to kind of control that area. Yeah. Yeah. We give him an, an open door and he just comes in and puts his claws. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way that made. it was like he just had his grip or his claws in me. Yeah. And once... And I was ineffective. I was not as effective a Christ, as a Christian or a, you know, a women's leader. I wasn't as effective because I had this very dark, deep secret that I had to keep hidden. And so um, I just didn't experience the total freedom that God had for me. So um, I would think just it was just ineffective. Um, as a leader. Uh, and I think that's, I think Satan loves that. Yeah. You know, yeah. he keeps us and, you know, he whispers, um, you know, you're not really a Christian. Mm-hmm. Are you going to done that? Or um, who do you think you are? What, what would other people think if they knew what you had done? Right. Um, live with that. And it, it's really exhausting mm-hmm. to, uh, I read in, um, in one of your recent um, devotions, um, you talked about courageous love. And you said, sometimes our carefree hearts turn into overly careful hearts, mm-hmm. producing fear that holds us back from living in the fullness God intended. Mm-hmm. So keeping that overly careful heart is lost. Yeah. It weakens us. Yeah. Yeah. And not not God's intention for us for us all. And you know, yeah. I I love how you connected that. You know, God has created us to be life givers and life bearers, and that's the reason why it's so devastating uh, when it happens. The Bible tells us that you know that the sin has to be dealt with, and. Mm-hmm. You know, we we try to deal with it in all manner of, of ways, um, but that only God has the true way. The, the other thing that I thought about in particular in regards to a woman personally is that God has also given women the um, the role of of bearing life and of and a birthing life. And so intrinsically not only as a child of God, but as a woman, it, it has that devastating impact to, to, to the identity that, that we were called, uh, to carry. And so, uh, when that happens, 
we, every woman longs to be healed, to be healed of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the enemy can convince us to hide it, to, you know, keep it inside the dark, but in darkness, sin grows. It's in light that we have healing. And one of the, uh, one of the, the, Another scripture that just comes to mind is your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I know that you love the word, Lee. I know that you're a woman of the word. How did God's (laughs) word help your healing process instead of hindering it? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) You know, I think probably one of the most um, relevant stories for me is David, the life of David mm-hmm. in the Bible. And, um, and, and there are others that committed sin, but um, they had a relationship with the Lord, you know, that, that ultimately that got um, brought out into the open and healed and forgiven. Um, with David, you know, he committed adultery. So there's that one with Bathsheba and, there was a resulting unexpected, unplanned pregnancy, let's call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But instead of going ahead and admitting that sin to God, he, he kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on, he connived, and he ultimately had Bathsheba's husband killed. I mean, he just kept piling it on. Um, but yet God, all throughout our Bible, we're told that God considered David a man after his own heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very significant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have failures. We all um, make mistakes. Um, but we can have a right relationship with God. It just takes um, just turning, stop running, stop hiding, and just um, turn to God and say, I did this and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's really the remedy for the shame. That's the way that God has given us to find relief from the shame is yeah. to turn to him and to repent. And, you know, one of the things that's just so clear in the Bible is that our sin has to be dealt with. And I, I think that sometimes um, we don't see the gift of true repentance, that it's such a gift. It's going to God, being intimate with him, giving him when we're ready to turn, you know, right. our our mistake, our wh- whatever we did. And, and, you know, you were talking about taking a life, um, I'm, I'm in the Beatitudes right now. And so, you know, Jesus says that when we say angry words towards people, when we call them an idiot or whatever, it, he equates it to murder. So nobody is off the hook here. We all have to deal with it. And God has given us a remedy for shame. Um, and it's, interesting to me that, you know, God's design for church in first John 
uh, 1 tells us that it's fellowship and, and living in the light, fellowship with him and, and fellowship with others. And if I don't have, if I'm not living in the light, if I'm not being authentic with others, with God and with others, then there is no true fellowship. There's just pretending, right? Right. And so, um, and, and many people, I think, could identify with pretending at church. Um, but especially with abortion, um, why do women feel that they must hide their abortion inside church or, or in their relationship with God? And, and here's the thing. There's lots of ways that we can hide even in the church. I can be busy, you know, doing works at the church or just attending church, but it doesn't restore my fellowship with God. Um, So, so why, why do, and, and I just, there's somebody Lee that I love so much and she just wants nothing to do with the Bible or anybody that reads the Bible. Why do women feel they must hide their abortion inside church or their relationship with God? Well, um, I think, I think um, first of all, if you don't have a really close relationship with God, if you haven't experienced his love, if you haven't experienced his, the power that he has to correct things in our lives. Um, you know, for me, that was, that was kind of my, my story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really understand. Um, but I think a lot of women are afraid of sharing their secret with someone in their church because, you know, they've seen or, or experienced condemnation mm-hmm. in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, other people. Um, there was a recent survey conducted by Lifeway Research. Um, and then they asked post-abortive women, what reaction did you receive or expect you would receive from a local church? Only 16% indicated that the church would be caring. Wow. Over a third felt wow. the church judgmental. Mm-hmm. And, and but let's face it, that does happen. Mm-hmm. We sometimes shoot our own wounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who are Christians in fellowship in a church to be careful, very careful, not to uh, condemn someone. Um, if they're a Christian, we certainly, if we can get to know a person, we can certainly um, help them and show compassion to them, but lead them, you know, to the truth that, you know, that was a, that is a sin and let's address it. Mm-hmm. Certainly. It's like you said, you know, if you point a finger at somebody, what's the thing? You got three, ping- three fingers pointing back at yourself. Right. Right. We're not in a position. We are not in a position to condemn. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I was I was like that for a long time in church. 
Um, I, I knew when Right to Life Sunday came around, when Mother's Day came around, and I wasn't going to be at church on those days mm-hmm. because I just I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of the external fear mm-hmm. that we um, the we have an internal fear though that um, like I said before the enemy has a grip on us. Yeah. And he- Got a pretty powerful voice at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A very voice. Um, so, and, and to me, you know, when I told you that I was um, so alarmed by that uh, scripture that said that made me think I had committed the unpardonable sin, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Satan was desperately trying to convince me of that. Right. Right. But you know, it just it just kind of. It just kind of keeps happening. So I think in our churches, we have to um, really understand compassion mm-hmm. and leave condemnation. Get it out. Get it out. Yeah. Yeah. What's when if if you have a f- friend or if a woman mentions to you that she has gone through an abortion, what is the best thing? What, what's the best way to minister to her? Well, first of all, um, thank God that she has shared, if she shares, um, that, th- that she has shared that with you. Mm. you that she trusts you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and the first thing that you need to do is show compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, tell her, you know, I understand. We all, um, it's like, you know, am I going to fear something or am I going to have faith? It's, you know, we make a choice when difficulties come our way, when problems come, when struggles come. Are we going to choose the way of fear or are we going to choose the way of faith? Mm. And um, so, you know, that's, if it's a person who doesn't have a relationship with God, um, you know, certainly you need to be very prayerful about about that. Um, she really needs to develop that relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, and and you know, I have found oftentimes it's just asking women questions. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you feel, um, you know, a sense that maybe you feel distant from God? Mm-hmm. Why? Can you can you tell me more about that? Um, you know, getting her to talk and share and compassion and love and listen well. Let her share her story. Mm-hmm. I love that. And and listen, 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 listen. Um, that's so so important. Listen, listen with compassion and and empathy. Um, what about the church? How can we make the church a, a better place of, of healing instead of hindering women from getting help? That's a, that's a, that's a job. <laughs> yeah. That and self and Lee, how can we solve world peace? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, it starts with us, you know, as mm-hmm. anything anybody tells you, you know, it's got to start with mm-hmm. a person. So it starts with us and 
you know, in every platform you have, every opportunity you have, share, um, you know, the fact that God tells us don't condemn. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you've got, if you've got, um, you know, many churches celebrate Right to Life Sunday. That's usually held in like January. Mm-hmm. So ask your leadership if they'd be opening, open to um, having a message to the post, post-abortive woman in their congregation. Mm-hmm. Statistically, um, in any given Sunday or Saturday, whenever the services are held, between um, and a conservative estimate is one third of the women that are sitting in your congregation are post-abortive. Wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty staggering. But that is research, research has proven that. Well, and, so, and, and so in one instance, that's kind of good news to us. Number one, it lets us know that we're not alone. But the church leadership has to acknowledge that mm-hmm. and speak the truth, but God says, speak it in love. Yes. yes. Don't be pounding the pulpit about right to lie mm-hmm. to the point where you are just, um, you're just like suppressing that woman that's in the, yeah. In your congregation. Well, and and obviously, um, the the shame that a woman is carrying, she already knows that it is yeah. that, that there's a negative impact from that, and so there's no need to go into that. I one of the things I thought about is um, making people aware of how it does affect women. Um, you know, we we do focus on the child, and of course, we want to do that, but that there's devastating effects to the woman as well. She didn't just have the abortion and then, you know, go on her merry way. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. It's going to have an effect. Um, And I love your idea about on a Right to Life Sunday uh, having a sermon on compassion and really, you know, the difference between living in condemnation versus coming into the light and encouraging that church body to be that place uh, where people can walk in fellowship with one another and, and with God, you know, the, the Bible says that when we confess our sins to one another, that we find healing. And I, um, I, one of the, one of the purposes of our podcast is I want to bring these issues into the light, such as abortion or, for example, there's another woman inside the treasured tribe who could not find church community to talk about her husband's addiction to pornography. Why? Because she was afraid. She was afraid to talk about it. And so um, I, I think it's important that we bring these things into the light, um, and I, I'm just reminded, as we've been talking of the story of Jesus with the woman caught in adultery, mm-hmm. and he says to her, you know, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. The very next verse says that we don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Follow the light, and right. which is him. We have the light that leads to life, and so, you know, we can't 
unscramble eggs. We can't go in the past, but God, we come to him. We receive his forgiveness and, and then we, we move on. And that this is not a weight that God does not want women to carry. Um, and the way that God has given us to deal with that weight, the way that we remove it is through repentance and receiving his forgiveness. All right. Now that I'm going to lay a hard question on you. You ready? Oh, not another. <laughs> like right. none of these have been hard. What's the difference between hearing about God's forgiveness and, and maybe, and, and receiving it initially for salvation. Um, and then receiving it for, for your personal sins. I didn't ask that. Let me ask this again. What's the difference between hearing about God's forgiveness and actually receiving it? Oh, wow. There's a great big difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, first we have to hear it first mm-hmm. and then then we uh, receive it. But hearing it is, you know, it's, you know, you liken it to someone giving you a gift, beautifully wrapped gift, mm-hmm. and you just, it's pretty, it's nice, you set it on your shelf, but you don't do anything with it. Yeah. It doesn't benefit you. Um so you'd never experience the freedom of, um, I, you know, I had this picture in my, in the room where we do our, um, our counseling, post-abortion counseling. And it's the, it's a picture of a woman up on top of a mountain and she's got a beautiful view and her arms are just outstretched. Mm-hmm. That's a picture of what it feels like. Yeah. Once you've received forgiveness and you've you've done your journey of healing. And honestly, I'll tell you, the healing part, the forgiveness is, you know, can happen very quickly. You know, a sentence, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Healing takes a little bit longer, I think. Mm -hmm. Need to you know, get through and talk through and, you know, we've, there's anger that we have to think about and deal with. There's grief. Right. That, um, that's my um, bird clock. I'm not sitting outside. <laughs> <laughs> not <doing that. laughs> no worries. But, um, uh, gosh, I've lost my train of thought. You were uh-huh. talking about, and this is such a great point, how um, for we receive forgiveness, and, and that can happen in an instant. Yeah, this yeah. is so profoundly. But healing, he, the healing is a journey. Yeah, that is, is so that's, important. That's exactly what I wanted to say. And so you're going to go through, you're going to go through grief. You know, a woman who has an abortion, um, she's told not to grieve because it wasn't anything, you know. It was, you know, took care of a problem. And so there's no reason to grieve. Why are you grieving? You know, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Get on mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Life. The, the, um, the, that's what Bible studies for post-abortion healing are for, to help you work through the grief, mm. to acknowledge that there's grief. Right. And work, acknowledge that there's anger. Yeah. You know, you may be very angry. You may be angry at God, mm-hmm. you know. 
-hmm. you may be bring all that stuff. You may be angry at the father of the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to, you got to work through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what, so I love that in that small group setting, you know, we just, we kind of bind together and work through these things together. So it that the program itself takes like six to eight weeks, like I said, um, but it will honestly it will be a long, it's a long journey. But you know, go back to the picture of the woman on top of the mountain. She didn't just land there. She mm-hmm. had to climb up that mountain. And there were probably times along the way where she thought, "Man, I don't know if this I'm exhausted. I don't know if I I don't know if I can do this." Yeah. But yet, going and she keeps going and um. And she gets to the top. And if you ask her then, was it worth it? What you just, you know, went through to get here? Mm-hmm. What do you think she'd say? <laughs> she would say yes. yes. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that woman, um, through that, discovered something even greater than healing. And that's her personal relationship with God, like intimacy with him. And I'm telling you what, Lee, I'm just picturing you on that mountaintop with your motorcycle, (laughs) one hand reaching up to God, the other one, you're reaching back to other women and saying, come on, let's go, go, go up the mountain. And how beautiful that you have this empathy um, yes. from from your own journey and so so for you you had talked about how when you went into your pastor's office that day that that was really like the initial point um mm-hmm. of your journey to find freedom how did your journey of of healing continue i can tell you that every time i have ever shared with one other person or you know, I've gotten up in churches and shared my testimony or I go through uh, a, about a class, a small group um, in post-abortion every time. It just I, I don't want to say it completes the healing, but it just um, it, it just makes it magnifies it or something. Yeah. It, you know, you're turning around to the enemy and saying, you don't have any hold on me. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. So it's it it it, can it it takes away the power that the enemy yeah. had because exactly. his power was done when he convinced you with lies to hide, mm-hmm. and now that you're healed, you're you're okay with talking about it, and yeah. every time you do, um, there there's more healing that happens. Uh, and, right. and I love that. I love that. And I mean, and, go ahead. I was going to say to add to um, go back to the Bible study at the very end. Um, you know, we encourage women to take that step to start sharing, mm-hmm. you know, to reach out to someone else that they may know. Yeah. Um, an abortion that. Is um, so it doesn't really end at the eight, the six or eight week, mm-hmm. the last class. It's um, it continues. I would love today for you to speak directly to a woman who might be listening today who is suffering um, under shame because of post-abortion trauma. What would you say to her? Well. Um, 
I think the first thing I would want to do would be to encourage her. And I had a pastor one time to describe encouraging as giving courage to someone. Mm, I love that. But I could just step out there into that woman's life and just hand her a big bucket of courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just want to um, impress upon them that coming free from that is so worth it. Mm-hmm. It's so worth enduring, you know, the, you know, dealing with the fear and just getting through it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Keep her silent. Um, I would tell her that she's not alone. Um, I would tell her she is so deeply loved by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's willing to forgive her of her abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also mention, I'm going to mention some resources um, that maybe someone out there may could um, take advantage of to help to make to make their first step. That would be great. Um, the website it's that of the um, ministry that we use, the Bible study material that we use, is called surrenderingthesecret.com. Okay. And they, they can... Um, read about that program they can um can um put their name in there uh surrendering the secret is a national organ i'm sorry an international organization and so when you go to that website you can actually be referred to um maybe an in-person group that's meeting near them or there are actually they do zoom meetings uh all across the world (laughs) Um, that you could take advantage of. Um, I, I, I prefer an in person, you know, just mm-hmm. because in, it's like Jesus with skin on, you know, yeah. you can, yeah. you can hug each other and, um, I just like that part, but, um, a Zoom meeting certainly, certainly, um, just as, um, effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, FocusOnTheFamily.com has uh, post-abortion healing information. Um, if there's a local PRC, Pregnancy Resource Center, near them, to um, maybe to reach out to them and see mm-hmm. if they've got mm-hmm. yeah, um, other resources there. Yeah, so, right, right. This is great. I love this. And I love that they do they, Zoom gatherings. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love that. So that, right. you know, wherever you are, that you can join a group. And and really, I would think even just signing up for that group, mm-hmm. that's like the first step. You know, because yeah. you're, you are owning, like I, like this has happened in my life. It's, it's that first step of, of stepping in the light. Mm-hmm. And there's a good bit of relief that comes from that. Mm. Right yeah. off. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're awesome, Lee. Oh, you know, it's God. Yeah. God changed me. He made me like yeah. I am. Yeah. Oh, I would be, ugh, you wouldn't want to hang around with me if I didn't have God. <laughs> well, I can say likewise well, to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can say likewise to that. So, yeah. well, I just love you to pieces and, um, and just your commitment to taking, 
you know, what you have had in your life, which uh, was a, uh, a hurt and a wound and, you know, you've walked through the healing and now you've got one hand reaching back uh, to help others inside of this journey. Uh, and I, I absolutely love that. And I love that you're a part of the Treasured Tribe, so I get to see you often. That's great. <laughs> think about you, I love your, I mean, the Holy Spirit just speaks through you. And I don't know, I don't know how he does that, but... Every time you drop a, a devotional or whatever, it's like God talking to Lee. <laughs> mm, well, I praise God so, for that. You know, it's right. it's all Him. Right. It's all yeah. Him. So, well, Lee, it was so awesome to have you on the show today. Is there anything else that you'd love to communicate? Uh, don't ask me that. There's okay. Like our <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I I just love what, what you've said here, and I would just encourage you, if you are a woman and you, you have carried this weight, that it's a weight that God does not want you to carry. He wants you to be free, and He's given us a remedy, and it's reaching out to Him and opening up, as Lee talked about, that beautiful amazing gift of forgiveness. So what are you waiting for? Walk in the light, receive his healing, and live free. For all of you listening today, we're going to put the links that Lee mentioned to those websites in our podcast description. And I would just encourage you today, Here, Lee and I are going to give you a bucket of courage And I want you to reach out to one of those organizations because there are women waiting on the other side who have walked in your shoes and they're ready to walk with you. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Please share this podcast with other women who you know might need to hear this message. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye.